Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third season of iWoofs with your hosts, Ian Dunbar, Kelly Dunbar, and me, Jamie Dunbar. What's the topic for today, Jamie? Today we're talking about learning theory. We are. Then, now, and beyond. Then, now, and when was then? Then was in the past. Yeah, but when exactly? Uh, uh, yesteryear? Yesteryear. Before now? Okay. Years, day, days of yore? So, well, it, doesn't, it doesn't go back that long. That's what I, you know. Is all about learning. That's what you're here to tell us. Oh, I see. I get to talk in this one. Didn't <laughs> have much to say in the apps, did I? No, you but managed. you managed. You managed. Precisely. Except you got to tell them the app we found right after we went off air. What was the app we found? Smack Talk. Smack the, Talk. The greatest, Smack Talk. Greatest app out there. Everybody, download Smack Talk. And if someone's trying to have an argument with you, just hold the iPhone up to them when they're arguing. I guarantee it will make everyone crack up. Now you've got okay. to figure out how to tie that into learning theory. Yeah. Learning theory. Dog training is all about learning and teaching. There's a lot of research that has been done about how animals and humans learn, and the results should inform our approach to dog training. However, learning theory has been developed from experiments conducted in a lab, and it's important to recognize how that knowledge is limited or different from real-world situations. Learning theory has a lot to offer dog training, but maybe dog training has important lessons to offer for learning theory. Ooh. What is the history Ooh. of learning theory? Did you, write nice, that? Did you write that, Jamie? Yeah, that's my little intro. That's incredible. That was exactly what my lecture last weekend. Oh, now it's, the whole... it's always the tip of his tongue. Okay. <laughs> no, this was Jamie said it. I was just saying. Um, no, when, when learning theory, uh, to me, the study of learning theory started in 1890. For you? No, not for me. You said for me. <laughs> I mean, it's an expression. From your perspective. My <laughs> viewpoint from what I know. No, I didn't mean I started learning opinion, it in 1890. No, in I wasn't alive then. In my opinion. It's not really an opinion, though. It should be a fact, you know. Okay, let's... 1890. From what I know of the facts, in the 1890s, Edward Lee Thorndike, to me, he's the man, he wanted to find out how animals learn and do experiments, so he went to dog trainers and asked them. And, and that's where it all started. And basically he found out that feedback is essentially binary, that you tell the dog, he's a good boy, or, no, I don't want you to do that that you let the dog know whether you like the behavior or you don't, whether the behavior is desirable or non-desirable. And then we go along through some famous names, and Skinner, I'm sure everyone has heard about, and lots and lots of experiments. I mean, hundreds of thousands of experiments done on learning theory. Mm -hmm. And we now move along to, I would say, 1980. So this is uh, 90 years later. And I used to give lectures on learning theory to dog trainers. And a friend of mine um, said, you know, you've got the wrong title. If you call it learning theory, it sounds so boring. No one wants to listen. He says, you should call it learning secrets. Because oh. learning theory is a secret to okay. most dog trainers. Um, anyway, I didn't follow his advice. So these, these weren't very well turned out seminars. <laughs> um, now in those uh, 30 years, it's totally changed. Now dog trainers know learning theory inside out to the point that Lengthy discussions about learning theory are, are almost an impediment or in lieu of actually training the dog. Mm. That I, I see, you know, a lot of people talking about, oh, which quadrant are you in? And, and using expressions and, and, and um, what do you call it? The, when you have initials that, instead of the word, what's that called? Acronym. Acronyms, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say anachronisms. I don't know. What's an anachronism? Something else. Something else. That's good. So acronyms. And people are talking about P plus and which quadrant are you in and all this. And 
and, and, and it really is, I think, holding up. Hey, linear dogs, let's, non-linear dogs. Non-linear dogs. Oh, well, that was just crazy stuff. Well, they're I mean, still doing good. I, I read that whole paper and I didn't understand one word of it. I, I, I really didn't. And I didn't know what it had to do with dog training. I mean, it's certainly but, an impediment to communicating with the owners. You know, most people, it goes well beyond most people's interest. Right. Even if yeah. it's not ability, their interest. They want their dog to go lie down quietly while they ate dinner. They don't really care. And they want to hear about it in English. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I would quote from Walt, Walt Disney here, who said about dream building. And uh, he said, the most important thing about building a dream is to stop talking about it and to start doing it. Hmm. And I would say, this is where we are in dogs now. And what was very simple binary feedback, you let the dog know you're getting it right, or you let the dog know you're getting it wrong. And this is what I want you to do. It was so simple. And now it's become unbelievably complicated um, with extremely complicated and ambiguous terminology, terms like negative reinforcement, which most lay dog owners think is punishment, positive punishment, which of course it's not, it's the opposite, it's the ending of positive punishment. So this stuff, it's like my head wants to explode when people Lots talk about this. Yeah, I, I just want to talk to people in normal sentences because, you know, we have kids in class and I want to say to them, look, ask your dog to sit. And if he sits really quickly after a single request, you tell him, there's a good boy, good boy, okay? And that's it. If he doesn't sit, then be insistent. Don't give up. Say, no, I want you to sit. I want you to sit. And to talk them how to use their voice, how to modulate their tone, so the dog knows whether he's getting it right or getting it wrong. And if he gets it wrong, if you have to ask him twice, he's got to do it again. He's got to do it until he sits really quickly after a single request. So, you know, I think all these terms now are holding back from training the dog so he's reliable off-leash, i.e. at home, because dogs are off-leash at, at home. So we've got into this, this quadrant. I mean, I'll talk about it here because a lot of our listeners are dog trainers. From the dog's point of view, he doesn't care about the quadrant. He cares whether life just got better or life got worse. So, for example, a trainer and what will made say, that happen? and what made it happen? Absolutely. So, so behavior is changed by consequences. So, a trainer will say, "Oh, the dog was unruly in class, or he was humping another dog." So, um, I use negative punishment, or I timed him out. Okay. Mm -hmm. But if you interview the dog, here he is, the poor old dog in an X pen. He's been there for five minutes watching these other dogs play, and we say, "Well, how do you feel about the negative punishment?" This is not negative punishment; it's positive punishment. I'm in prison. I'm in solitary confinement. So it depends, you know, the quadrant you're in depends on whose perception, the trainer or the dog. This is very confusing. And anyway, the quadrant existed because we were trying to explain that the majority of feedback is binary. You reward the dog you, or you punish the dog. You praise the dog or you reprimand the dog. However, there were two ways that you would do that, which were very special cases. And these were, of course, negative reinforcement and negative punishment, both requiring a long state of, let's say, a long-term rewarding state. I mean, before you can take a rewarding state away, it has to be there. Right. So long-term rewarding state, the dog's off-leash in the park, the dog's playing with other dogs, and you end it. You, you terminate, you negate 
the, the, the fund state to punish the behavior, to get the behavior to decrease in frequency. Well, the learning points of this are when you start the rewarding state, when you let the dog off leash, and when you put him back on it's leash. It's very specific. It's not that you yeah. and it changes, right? It gets very yeah. gray it, it, it's and it a, switches. It's, it's a change, and that's what the consequences are, actually a change in the enjoyability of the environment, if you like. And so in the middle is all dead time. If you're not training in the middle, we have an awful problem now that playing with other dogs can become a huge distraction to training. There's also a big crossover there, though, too. You know, when you say the dog is playing and that's the dead time, and then you remove something by putting the dog in a timeout, let's say, maybe that starts as the intended... Uh, Reason. Yeah, no. Purpose. It, but then it changed. No, negative... Uh -huh. Sounds like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Negative, negative punishment. Punishment. Yeah. But then it moves into positive. It changes, is what I'm saying. You know? Oh, well, it, even... With the amount of time... I mean, the deal is, in a situation... Absolutely. If the dog thinks it's positive punishment, the dog thinks it's unpleasant, that's all the dog cares about. This is unpleasant. He doesn't Ended the care. fun, though. They what? get that. Yeah. Get... But even when done correctly, if the trainer is a whiz and they have brilliant timing, if they are negatively punishing a dog in a play session, they aren't negatively punishing the dog for humping the other dog. They're usually negatively punishing it for remaining there while the trainer approaches and grabs the dog by the collar and leads them to confinement. You're getting classical conditioning every time you do that. Yeah. Negative. Add that on as well. So anyway, the big danger though in this old quadrant, you know, 99% of training is praise and reprimand or reward and punishment. Mm -hmm. These two special cases, the negative punishment and the negative reinforcement, here's the scary one. In order to end something that's unpleasant, it has be to be unpleasant for a long time. Yeah. And why would you want to do that? And basically, when you start the unpleasantness, you're now punishing the dog for sticking around and allowing you to grab hold of his ear and pinch it or shock him or, or whatever we're doing. That's bad, that we're intentionally punishing good behaviors. But then we keep the punishment up for a long time, and then we end it. So the learning points are starting the bad times and ending the bad times. In the middle is not only training dead time, that it's an ongoing torture. You're on thin ice. So that's why we came up with the quadrant to explain this to people. Look, most of training is this, mm -hmm. a, a, a finite, a teeny little reward, you know, or praise. Kibble in the, in the lab, kibble and shock, or from a person, of course, and praise and reprimand. Good dog, ah, good dog, sit. So the dog knows that's right, that's wrong. And these other two were special cases. But now they're in this quadrant as if they have equal ranking. And it's, it's too silly for words. We have, we have, we have complicated dog training. And, and, you know, back in 1890, I think Thorndike hit the nail on the head. Feedback is binary. There we go. Which goes back to what we were talking about with those apps, how there's one app for making a reprimand noise and there's one app for making a praise noise, but, but you there's can't no app that has both, yeah. which is the basis, as you said, a hundred years ago, you know, it was figured out that that was the basis of training was you need to give good feedback and bad feedback. Well, it's like it's... the hot and cold game, right? right? It's very frustrating to only, only play, you're getting warmer, only you're hot. getting warmer, right. or mm -hmm. you're getting colder, you're getting colder. It's, it doesn't give enough information, but it also doesn't have to be traumatic mm -hmm. to give information, you know, on, on both sides of the spectrum. But you see, I, that comes from how learning theory experiments were conducted, Compu computers conducted them. Computers can compute. Mm -hmm. They are consistent. They have skills that we don't have. 
which means a lot of learning theory is actually impossible um, in real life because we don't have the brains of computers. We, we couldn't compute a VI reinforcement, for example. Say we, VI is you're going to reward the dog on average every, say, five seconds in a stay. So if we did 10 repetitions, we would reward the dog after 2, 4, 8, 3, 7, uh, 6, 5, 9, 1, and 5 seconds. That comes out to 50 divided by 10 is 5 seconds on average. We can't do that. But then the next question is, should we even try? Mm -hmm. You see, we're actually smarter than computers. I, I think we built them, didn't we? We designed and well, built computers. we have computers. different skills, very different skill sets. And we shouldn't try to be like computers. No, because we can't. No. But our skill sets, we can, in one glance, look at a dog and say, oh, that was so cute what he did. Computer can't do that. Right. Not with years of programming with fuzzy logic. They can't make that snap judgment that we can, that qualitative judgment that that was cute. I want to reward the dog for that. And, and for shelter dogs, remember with open paw, how that was a major part of open paw was don't just reward dogs for sitting and lying down and being quiet, but when they look cute, reward them because that's the behavior that's going to get them out of the shelter and get them adopted. Well, also certain body language precedes certain behaviors and you can start you know, building, building on a behavior by making a dog more at ease or playful or whatever it may be, or just pro rewarding proximity. So there are a lot of things. The other thing that I'm thinking about that computers don't do, at least to my knowledge, is... Um... <laughs> to my knowledge. Oh, that sneaky computer. <laughs> well, you never know what they're I, doing at Google. I thought I turned him yeah, off. And, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, as you, I mean, you say they, they, can't read, they can't read people, but dogs also can't read them. I mean, you, you, dogs can read people's body language and you know facial expressions and emotions better than any other species oh, right. and so they are getting some feedback from us so many more dimensions of feedback and than, interactions yeah than they would be getting from a, and that's a computer actually, or a clicker yeah. or a collar that's actually most of training that the dog is actually training us quicker than we're training it and the dog is working out there's so from... many context cues right absolutely so many so much information they're getting from where we're pointing to how we our smile our smile uh, what our eyes are doing are we perspiring are we happy do we look tense do I have a lips pursed? Yeah, the, I mean, dog just looks at your eyes and he, he knows the consequence, whether you're happy or not. Just one little glance, all these very, very subtle cues. But what I, what I think with learning theory, um, it has constrained dog training. It's brought it to a grinding halt where trainers are becoming technicians and it's very impersonal and we're giving quantum feedback because that's what computers had to do. To say, a, a computer couldn't hug you or couldn't go, oh, you're not feeling well, or there's a good boy. A computer had to deliver quantum feedback, kibble or shocks. And now people are trying to copy that, but they're only copying half of it. We got the people that copy the kibble half, or we give kibble, lure reward, or click and treat. Or we copy the shock half, we give leash jerks and shocks. And 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 that, again, was, is reflected in the acts, the, the apps, and that's only half of the learning theory. But also, looking on a positive note now, I think when we realize with our voice, we can now transcend learning theory because what we can do with our feedback that a computer cannot do, we can deliver instructive and analog feedback. So I mean, we can change the feedback. Mm -hmm. Good boy, good boy, good boy. Oh, there's a good boy then. Mm -hmm. And we can let the dog know not just whether he's getting it right or wrong, but how right he's getting it or how dangerous the behavior is. And, and I think 
this is the way to the future and we've got to encourage people to talk to their dogs again. I like that you're saying transcend learning theory because you don't want to dismiss it. Or no, it oh, absolutely it, not. It really did provide a lot of information that, that's important for people to understand how learning works. But they don't think it's a magical skill. It's not, it's not your energy. It's not your ma a magical skill that's only acquired by special gurus. You know, you can, almost anybody can, can, study can manipulate behavior. And learn and improve. Via, right. you know, learning, learning but, theory. But I think we do have to realize that a lot of learning theory um, has such severe constraints in practice that it doesn't work in practice. And to give you an example like that VI5 schedule, no one could compute that in their brain and train the dog at the same time. And so when you look at reinforcement schedules, and there's like seven or eight of them, the only one that makes sense is a differential reinforcement. You only it's reward... the one that you could use. Yep, the, the, the only one that you could use or would want to use, that you only reward above average responses. All of the others, continuous reinforcement, the variable interval, variable ratio, fixed interval, fixed ratio, and all of these, half of the responses they reward are above average, and half are below average. And that's the dumbest thing in the world. What is the point of re rewarding a dog or a child for a below average uh, response? Mm -hmm. This is, I mean, there's a story, you probably don't remember this, I picked you up for school one day and your teacher had given you a gold star for homework. I would have forgotten um, it a long time ago. You, <laughs> you were really good at doing homework, but not this night. You'd done rubbish homework and she gave you a gold star for rubbish. So I had you wait in the car and I went in and I said, look, this isn't worth a gold star. It's not worth a silver star, a bronze star, a rectangle but or a triangle. Maybe it's worth a check mark because the homework was done to was, some capacity. Yep, and that check mark would be written in red and it would be the letter F, which means thank you for handing this rubbish in. Uh, and, and so the whole You'd thing... you a great kindergarten teacher, Dad. Yeah, I would. But the whole... You are trash! <laughs> <laughs> no, well, some kids needed lots of gold stars to build their confidence. Right, you want to have 80% success. You didn't. You, you had a good view of what was good, and you were being smarty pants that night, and you thought you would just rush it and hand in rubbish. And so the rule is in reinforcement, you only reward above average responses. Better responses get better rewards, and then the best responses get the best rewards. So now the dog's performance improves over time. So I would just throw out all the other six or seven reinforcement schedules. Mm -hmm. When we get to punishment, the whole thing is, goes to hell in the handbasket. Yeah, this rat learns when he's, being, when he's shocked by a computer. Why, number one, he's in a little cage. There's only two halves of it. When the tone sounds, half of the cage gets electric floor, and the other half doesn't. Well, it takes a rat one trial to learn this. When the buzzer sounds, get to the safe part of the cage. Why? There are no alternatives, and the computer is consistent. Not so in the real world. The dog's in the park, and the owner tries to punish him. The dog just says, look, how about we do this? Why don't you train on your own and get this out of your system, and I'm going to run over here to the next well, county and also, meet some dogs? Also, there are no other context cues to, to associate with that punishment in, in, a, in a cage versus a park. You know, you know for instance, if let's... You know, the, the rat learns that the tone precedes the shock. Absolutely. Um, and there's really nothing else. It's not like the rat's looking at another cute little rat or playing with a toy or already on his way recalled, you know, coming back to the owner. I'm saying, you know, in, in the real world, there are so many other there's possible distractions. associations yep. that can be made with 
the punishment. Absolutely. And, and so, Other than the intended. You know, and so what we learn from that is you would never punish an animal without warning it first. It's inane and inhumane. Mm-hmm. It's inane because if you don't warn him first, how can he learn the meaning of the warning if you're not giving it? Right. How can you stop him? From yeah, and it's inhumane if you don't give an animal a chance to avoid uh, p- potential punishment coming up. So punishment does work when you're training dogs, but you need to adhere to about eight really stringent criteria. That's difficult for people. Mm -hmm. Luckily, though, for us, um, reward training is much more fun, much quicker, and much more effective, as we said a couple of episodes. You can be a a total dip. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're reward training, it's like, shall I reward you? I don't know. Yes, I will. No, I won't. And it will maintain that behavior because Mm -hmm. it's on a variable. Because what it does, you see, when you're on a variable or a random reinforcement, totally random, you're not surprised that you put a coin in a slot machine and you don't win for seven tries. What do you do? You kiss the next coin. You know it's going to work. You put another (laughs) coin in. But with a food vending machine, a continuous reinforcement, if it doesn't work, you give up on it right away. Mm -hmm. So anyway, there, there are constraints. I think we have to modify learning theory, we have to simplify it, get rid of this ridiculously ambiguous, complicated terminology, because most trainers, it's difficult for me, let's put it that way, let alone other trainers or people in our class. It's just too complicated. Let's tell them feedback is binary, and let's use our voices. Why? This is the one training tool you don't want to phase out. Mm -hmm. You want to keep talking to your dog. And so give him instructions, teach him the meaning of words for instructions. That's phase one of lure reward training, phase out the lure. You don't need it anymore because he understands the meaning of the word or the hand signal. So we can talk to the dog giving instructions, but let's talk to our dog as well to let him know when it's right or when it's wrong, what to do. So, for example, if you use words in praise, I, I, I do a little thing in seminars where I go along the line and say, right, I want you to think of the dog you live with, and I want you to give me one adjective that describes him, but you can't repeat. Mm -hmm. What happens is, after about six of these adjectives, people are really thinking, and they're saying things like lovable, trustworthy, and and the the tone, the emotion is coming out. They're usually good words (laughs) when we do this. But, you know, we can convey so much with a word in terms of its meaning first, which is trained in, and then the way we say it. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, um, the other thing about quantum computer-generated punishments, they're not instructive. It's like now, if I press the button, and everyone in the room gets a zap to their rear end. You like, you say, wow, don't like this. All you learn is I don't... The instruction I would have is to get the zapper out of your hand. Well, if you don't know I'm doing it, (laughs) all you learn is I don't like being in this room. Right. And when you're or punishing, like anything yeah. about this whole situation. Yeah, punishers always want to try and keep it a secret from the dog how they're getting punished, especially if they're using equipment. They don't want the punishment associated with them because it trashes the relationship. Mm-hmm. But what it, that dog does associate it with is training. So the dog says, I think training's a drag. It's unpleasant. On the other hand, if I said to you, stand up, <clears throat> I bet in one trial you would learn the meaning of stand up. It means get off your chair. And, and so uh, I didn't get that if I stood up. That's it. Yeah. So now you have you learn the meaning of the instruction stand and that gives you the option of avoiding the punishment. Right. So that's, that's really, really, I think, you know, so important. Which I think it's also I think they've done studies about stress levels measured by 
hormones or I don't know. Mm -hmm. Somehow they medically, you know, measured stress levels and not knowing why you're getting punished is the most stressful situation that anyone can be in. Because you can't relieve it. Right. There's nothing like you can't. Oh, absolutely. You can't deal with it. There's nothing you can do to avoid it. Yeah. And the dogs will go into learned helplessness. It's called. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, a golden retriever would just do the sack of potatoes routine. And I used to see this years ago in leash work classes. And they'd go, sit! And the dog would slump on the ground, Rumble. then sit! And he'd slump on the ground, and eventually he says, ah, to hell with you. And so the golden says, oh, that's a good ploy. Just, just slump Melt on the ground. Into the floor. And they give up on training. A Rottweiler may growl. Mm -hmm. And you try to jerk him, and he goes, Bleh. And training stops. Ah, oh, hell with it. And the Rottie says, well, that's, that's really good. That stopped them training. But it is learned helplessness. And so I think it's so important when we punish, and we have to punish. Punish is essential in training. And when trainers say, I'm totally positive, well, I'm sorry, you don't have a reliable dog. Mm -hmm. And that dog one day is going to walk out your back door because your kids left the door open straight into the street, smash. Well, you have to prove. So you have and to prove. Proofing generally requires some form of mistakes being made, errors being made, so that you can then correct that. Yeah. And the big problem we're in is the assumption is Punishment has to be aversive. Why? Because it always was. With a computer, it had to be. It couldn't be instructive, you know, and so it was aversive. And so a lot of people say, well, I don't want to be aversive. I don't want to hurt my dog or frighten it, so I don't want to use punishment. So their dog doesn't get trained to a certain level of reliability. More scarily, though, other trainers say, well, I, I'm going to punish, and it has to be aversive. It doesn't. You know, the, the, the biggest light bulb I've had in the past three years is punishment doesn't have to be aversive. Therefore, maybe it shouldn't be aversive. And I have proved you can get the highest levels of reliability in a dog's behavior by barely even raising your voice. So, for example, the great advantage we have over computers. A computer senses moisture on the floor and so gives the dog an electric shock. I'm talking about these learning theory studies. Mm -hmm. So now that dog won't pee in that place again. A dog starts to chew an armchair, the computer senses the vibration and shocks the dog. All the dog learns is this is not a smart thing to do. So now the dog goes and pees on your bed or he chews uh, clothes or a carpet. You're going to need a lot of electro You've electrocutions. Got it. The problem when you're trained by punishment, you have to punish the dog so many times. Okay. And so um, the difference is if now the dog is peeing or about to pee on the carpet, we say outside, 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 in that tone. Using our human brains. We've taught the dog the meaning of the word outside by standing by the door and throwing kibble outside, inside, inside, outside. So the dog learns in one trial, interesting, when they say outside, the kibble goes that way. When they say inside, it goes that way. Now we can use the word outside as an instructive reprimand, but we can say it gently. It's a puppy, for goodness sake, peeing. This is on par with a child pooping in its diapers. We don't want to grab it and say no and rub his nose in it. Say outside, outside, outside. Mm -hmm. If he's chewing on um, the carpet, we say chew toy, chew toy, chew toy. So this is where we transcend what a computer can do. Because when we reprimand, we can instruct the animal. The tone tells the dog, you're making a boo-boo. There's some urgency here. And here's what I want you to do. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing that sends trainers crazy. 
half of the trainers say you should never repeat the command. And then the learning theory trainers say you must never repeat the stimulus word, the command, you'll denature it. Every trainer in the world said this is wrong. You never should do that. Yet when we do it with the dogs, we can prove in a puppy class, if you repeat the word sit, you will end up eventually with a dog sitting following a single request off leash in the middle of a play session. We know it works. Learning theory says it doesn't work. Traditional leash trainers said you should never do it. It's the biggest sin you can ever, you know, mm-hmm. make. Yet we can prove this is probably the most effective training technique out there and hardly anyone's doing it. Right. So what they don't have is reliable dogs off leash so the dog doesn't get to run and play off leash unless he's in a dog park. Well, it's beyond just saying the word, though, because you, if you're just randomly shouting any word at a dog, it's not, you're, you're not, they're not going to learn anything. They've got to be doing something. You've got to still be eliciting the behavior. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the first difference. You, first, that's you the teach difference. the dog the word sit, and you, and you check that the dog knows it. But what happens is dogs get distracted. It's like the other day when Kelly was driving, and I, and I said, you know, there's someone in the crosswalk. Someone in the crosswalk. Stop. Stop. I had to say it four times. You wouldn't, now, you wouldn't say yeah. it once and then not repeat it. No, she's not being disobedient. She just, her brain wasn't yet focused. Like, you got to stop. Oh, can't repeat that. Yeah. Over this person. <laughs> over the cliff. There we go. Uh-huh. And so. Didn't denature. <laughs> this is why I'm so excited about this stuff at the moment. I think we are dog trainers. We've come full circle, as you said in your introduction. I think we are going to rewrite learning theory highlighting the things that don't work well in practice, highlighting the things that really do work well, binary feedback, and then adding on all this new stuff that we can do when we bring some heart and soul back into dog training and, and we talk to our dogs again. Yeah, I think the, I, mean, I think what's, it's not going to be easy because what we're trying to do is bring back heart and soul to this quantum, you know, computerized learning Sterile. Theory. But at the same time, preserve what's good about learning theory and science, which is Mm. measuring, quantifying, recording, figuring out what works, and... Sticking with facts. Right. And so you've got to, you want to use this analog feedback, and you want to use our human brains and our voices, which are so powerful and so able to communicate so much, but you also still want to record and measure and analyze. Absolutely. And get data. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Transcend learning theory without abandoning science. Abs- oh, absolutely. That's, That's very good, Kelly. That's brilliant. Did you write that? I think I said that in a lecture last you week. I don't know, but I think that's a good sign-off. We will transcend learning theory without abandoning science. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, Goodbye, everybody. That's all for this episode of iWhoops. Thank you for listening.